from AATH, the Association for Applied and Therapeutic Humor. This is LaughBox, the podcast for laughter and humor professionals. Here's your host, Chip Lutz. Hello, friends, and welcome to LaughBox, the official podcast for the Association for Applied and Therapeutic Humor. And today, I get to talk to a lawyer. And, you know, the thing about talking to lawyers is, you know, it's not as bad for me as talking to psychologists. Psychologists, I'm always thinking, are they psychoanalyzing me? But lawyers, I'm always thinking, hmm, are they judging me? So I'm really excited to talk to Deborah Norwood today. She's the laughter lawyer. You know, we've got a few things in common as far as not law, but you know, our some you know our path parts on coming to the humor world. But welcome to the podcast, Thank my friends. Thank you. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm well, really happy my, to be here. Absolutely, my pleasure. Now you know we've got a little bit you know, opportunity to talk, and obviously we're connected on social media. I don't stalk you, but I do see you on there. <laughs> So, you know, if you just, you know, share a little bit about with our, um, our listeners, as far as like, you know, who you are, what you do, what's your gig? What's my gig? Well, I'm a peace builder and, uh, my tagline is, I know that people can look good and feel good if they do good. And I call myself a peace builder mm-hmm. and, uh, a transformative lawyer. And I'm a part of a marvelous integrative law movement that's going around uh, pretty much the universe now in changing the structure of law practice to try to make us more humane, empathic, and able to service people better by changing the quality of law practice and making it more holistic. That's, that's really interesting. So what does that mean? I mean, like, so, you know, because I imagine you're thinking about, I mean, globally, you know, changing the law structure. I mean, that's what I hear you saying, but I mean, obviously, I live in the United States, so I'm thinking, you know, from the law perspective here, what what are some of the things that you're looking to change to make it more holistic? Well, in my case, I can only speak on a personal basis. Mm-hmm. I'm a juvenile court lawyer, often uh, called to be a guardian at litem in child abuse cases and uh, uh, cases where I have to represent the children or I have to prosecute the parents. Mm-hmm. And... Um, only until I was able to embrace the whole person and understand everything that was happening to everyone through uh, my experiences with the World Laughter Tour did I suddenly understand that um, I was going about approaching some of these kids uh, in, a, in a way in which was not as holistic as it should have been. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think I developed a lot more empathy once I understood the connection that we have with one another through a smile and a laugh. So case in point, the very first day that I came back from becoming a certified laughter leader with the World Laughter Tour, I had to interview a 14-year-old who had not confessed uh, for a long time, could not be broken, nobody could get to him to talk about whether or not he had been sexually abused. The uh, system was losing its time limit Mm. on whether he could be adopted or not, and there was no proof, and yet nobody wanted him to go back to his environment because we weren't sure whether it was safe. Mm -hmm. And I was called in, ta-da, to do one of the million interviews that this young person had already had uh, to ask him whether or not he had been abused. And when I walked in, my instinct was not to do anything like that at all. Mm -hmm. Instead, I went to the World Laughter Tour website, 
clicked on this little laughing world and said, this is where I was last week. And there was this cute little world ball that was going, <laughs> and of course that just sent him rolling. Mm -hmm. After that, I said, you don't have a cell phone in here, right? They don't let you do any of that. Do you know how to use this thing? Look, I'm trying to get to my pictures. And as I started scrolling through my pictures, I started showing him pictures of my Great Dane. Mm -hmm. And then I mentioned to him that my Great Dane happened to have done something that was not good in the people world, but maybe not so bad in the, in the, in the dog world. And that was he had had a daughter, but then he had had a baby with his daughter, so he was mm -hmm. now a grandfather. Mm -hmm. And I said, do you know what that means? And he kind of put his head down and shook his head. And I'm not saying that that moment he said anything to us, but it opened up the trust that was necessary to eventually be able to do things. So humor and laughter are trust-building skills right. and tools. I mean, and, and, and they, are, they are a skill that we can learn to help open up other people's hearts, especially to peace. Right. And that's what I really want. Because my objective is to be a peace builder mm -hmm. and to help us all find peace within. Yeah, I mean, you've been doing some amazing things in the peace building world. I mean, uh, I saw a little bit of your presentation yesterday, the stuff that you've been doing. But you know, obviously, our listeners they might have seen, they might not. But if you share a little bit about you know the uh, the I would say excursion, but the <laughs> journey that you just took. I mean, it was amazing. Well, um, I was invited. Uh, my, my husband had to go. India on uh, medical tourism <laughs> so while we were there I was invited to speak at a couple of uh, health centers one of them was IPC cardiac unit mm -hmm. and then I was also invited uh, by Youth for Peace International to do a resilience training for their uh, refugee workers and volunteers at the Rohingya refugee camp and the Rohingya are uh, one of the most persecuted minority groups in the world because they're stateless and so anywhere they go, any place they are taken to, or any place that they are persecuted in, don't accept them for work, for IDs, for anything. They're basically not allowed to do anything anywhere they are. Wow. So they're primed, primed for violent extremism. Because as you know, conflict really has three components to it. People that are marginalized, that are either involved in poverty, and are definitely voiceless. And uh, so you see that everywhere. In the United States, I see it all the time mm -hmm. with my kids, and that's why I also have the Resilient Student Program. But what you're alluding to was my trip to the refugee camp, which was fun, and it was a three-part component. I got to speak to the refugee workers, and, the, uh, and, and that was a true resilience training where I showed them brain health principles, therapeutic humor and laughter, and a lot of mindfulness principles. Um, but then I also had an opportunity to interview the leadership, the Rohingya leadership, and that was a totally different thing. We talked about gratitude, forgiveness, and restorative justice, and whether or not there was any room for it. And boy, was that a hard conversation, because when people are persecuted, and their children are mutilated, and everybody's starving to death, you know, how can you talk about gratitude and forgiveness? So we touched on those subjects. Mm -hmm. And then the last thing, which was of course the most fun of all, was to be around the little children and just do the simple laughter exercises that you know keep us all united as a family of here on earth. That's so interesting. I mean, and, and 
rewarding, I'm sure. I mean, just to see the change, especially with the kids, uh, maybe if they were going through something, and seeing the smiles on their faces, that was, are, those are all things that make me feel uh, better. I was just sitting when you were talking, and I was, you know, listening, and I, I thought a little bit about just the difference um, from practicing law to being a hope, you know, uh, being a peace builder. It just, um, it just, how does that journey happen? Because it's just, um, I mean, it's just, it's, I, it's, it, I would just think it's like, that is such a, two different worlds. I mean, and I, well, I, yeah, yes and no, because all the stereotypes about lawyers, you know, we're the fourth leading uh, profession in suicide right now. Really? Uh, the, the, the stereotype is that we're these money grubbing, you know, hard, you know, cold hearted people. But <laughs> most of us who enter into law practice are doing it because we do want to be, you know, helpers and givers. Mm -hmm. And uh, very few of us went to law school to just go out there and make money. I'm sure there's a large group of them, but I've never been around those groups. Right. You know? So uh, we find our tribe, and I found mine in the transformative law and integrative law movement. And there's a book uh, out by J. Kim Wright called Lawyers as Peacemakers, and another one which I contributed to American Bar Association bestseller, and that's uh, Lawyers as uh, Changemakers. And what I think we are doing is going back to what we were really supposed to do. There's a whole world out there of mediators and collaborative lawyers, mm -hmm. and what people need to do is just find them. What I think is so exciting is that there are some that are very involved in positive psychology, very involved with uh, humor, and we need to recruit them to wow. AATH. We need to get that kind of, an, uh, of a lawyer back in here. We've got some wonderful lawyers that are already members. I was delighted to hear that Pat Schneider was a CLL uh -huh. with the World Laughter Tour, and uh, she and I hooked up immediately on her gratitude studies at the University of Pennsylvania. Uh -huh. So there are change makers out there, and what we need to do is just bring them into our wonderful world of AATH. Well, and, and I understand that, but I was just thinking about you personally, uh, that when did this switch happen for you? I mean, not that you never didn't, not that you didn't care before, but I mean, you're, you're a practicing lawyer, you're working with you know, the youth, and then you know, what took you down this, you know, what what was there a life event where you're just like you found out about something like oh that makes sense and it kind of like took you a, a, a different direction. Well, there's several ways in which that happened, and I have a WordPress um, Laughter Lawyer USA blog, and you can you can check in there about the story of Laughter Lawyer. But essentially, my husband is a, a very uh, well-known public interest attorney and mm -hmm. labor and uh, discrimination employment attorney, and we. We had two suicides uh, about 20 years ago with our clients, and it, it, it was even more than 20 years ago, actually, but I'm not going to betray how long it was, because, mm -hmm. you know, that might even give you a hint as to how old I am, and I won't let you do that. <laughs> but, but the truth of the matter is, is that before the word holistic lawyer was ever invented, my husband and I started investigating why some of the people who lost their jobs would... Um, you know, just come back with tighter relationships with their families, reinvent themselves, find a business to create, and then others who had lost their jobs would lose their houses, would, you know, lose their wives to divorce, and succumb to depression and anxiety. And so I became very interested in what was an emerging uh, science at the time, which was positive psychology. 
And um, in one of my research, uh, we actually interviewed people in our law firm for work job satisfaction, and we gave them most of the uh, emotional inventories that are found in AuthenticHappiness.org. So we were already on that path. Uh And one day when I was looking at an article, I saw the word laughter and humor, and I clicked on the word laughter, and I thought, oh gosh, and this is so appropriate for next conference, my timing is so off. I can never tell a joke. Uh-huh. I, you know, I, I'm naturally funny, but I stumble into it. Uh-huh. And so in clicking on the word, la- word laugh, it led me to the World Laughter Tour. And I literally called them up and said, um, I'm really shy and kind of, uh, I love to laugh, but I don't know how to tell jokes. Will you teach us how to tell jokes? <laughs> And, of course, it led me to a new world. From there, I was invited to come to AATH. At AATH, I met Dr. Henslin and Dr. Burke, Uh and there is where I found my true heart. Dr. Henslin introduced me to Amen Clinics. Dr. Burke introduced me to the empirical research that is so necessary to open doors to lawyers and to more, you know, Thinking types. Yes, sir. You know oh, exactly. You know too. Because if you're going in to talk to lawyers, you got to win the case. Is what, absolutely. You, know, you, you have, have to, to be serious about laughter. That's so funny. <laughs> that is so funny. Because most of the lawyers I know, uh, some of them have a pretty good sense of humor. So you know, like any group, some of them have no sense of humor whatsoever. You know. Well, we're doing some amazing integrative stuff. We're creating. Laughter clubs for lawyers, so they're LLCs, a little play on the mm-hmm. corporate uh, structure That's of the funny. LLC, and uh, and doing a lot of things. And now I'm truly blessed to say that I've been put on uh, the wellness committee uh, as part of the holistic uh, mind body movement at the National Association, National Hispanic Bar Association. So we're working with lawyers assistants. I'm actually a, a addiction recovery facilitator as well, uh-huh. and so I'm going to be doing uh, Perdido Dubs expressive meditations and uh, uh, a lot of emotional clearing stuff through laughter that's going to help a lot of our very stressed out professionals. Oh, that is so cool. I just was thinking that it's got to be a difficult group to work with. Well, I'll tell you what's more difficult, and that's teenagers. And guess what? Teenagers are the third leading group in suicide from age 14 to 21. I did not know that. Yes. So I do parallel presentations Mm -hmm. for youth and for lawyers and I want you to know but don't tell anybody that they're almost the same presentations because when you do the word clouds of what the needs assessments are because every time I go in I always do a needs assessment what's the thing that's bothering you the most today write it down put it in a little secret piece of paper Mm -hmm. what's one concern that you have and then after the presentation you know tell me if anything that I said to you could have at least assisted you in a tiny bit with your concerns. With regards to the children, I actually pick up those anonymous slips of paper and create word clouds. The word clouds they create are heartbreaking mm. about bullying, about loneliness. And, uh, you know, I'm not a professional psychiatrist or psychologist, but I am a mother. I've raised seven children. Seven? Three of which are special needs. Mm-hmm. And I also took care of my mother who um, had Alzheimer's and was bedridden mm-hmm. for 14 years at home. Wow. So I know a lot about anxiety, about, about all, 
Alzheimer's and autism. Mm -hmm. And uh, so what happened to me is that I became one of these people that, you know, had a PhD in life. Mm -hmm. And AATH and meeting Earl Henslin and uh, talking about what laughter and humor does to the brain may have saved everybody in my family. We were all laughers as it was, but um, we got to know all about brain spec, brain health. My mother's brain brain spec actually showed um, that she was uh, possibly an autistic savant because she spoke five languages and you know was an operatic singer and a concert violinist. Mm -hmm. What a really difficult personality. <laughs> <laughs> a little trouble, you know, being social. But She's a teacher. Brilliant, but I hate being around her. But a teacher for forty something years, you know. And so, uh, you know, she was one of those who couldn't get 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 the joke. You know, uh -huh. it was like clueless. Look around. What happened? What right. happened? And so, um, I I want you to know that um, meeting this world of AATH and the neuroscience of it is what illuminated me to the possibility that we can use humor for peace mm -hmm. and that we can use the neuroscience of humor and laughter to persuade people to move a little further away from retribution, violence, and anger, and a little bit more towards forgiveness, gratitude, and peace. Yeah, um, Earl Henslin's book, I, was, I was a conference chair the first year he came, and I, I had read his book, and I loved his book. And that's why I asked him to come speak at the conference. Oh, I'm so glad you did because I, I owe you my life then. Oh, Chip, well. you are the man. <laughs> because when he spoke and, and Dr. Burke, you know, I, I was overwhelmed. We had clowns. We had people. I was trying to take oh, pictures. Yeah. I, you know, I had information overload, sensory overload, everything you can think of. And I was supposed to go to the Positive Psychology Conference and was persuaded to go to AATH. And that first initial impact was, Whoa, like, too much for too me. Much. Sensory overload. Whoa, 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 yeah. whoa, whoa. And then these two shy, sweet, soft-spoken, kind of fumbling people, you know, fumbling with the microphone, mm. uh, talking to each other and whispering because they were trying to get some of the stuff ready. And then all of a sudden, wow, you yep. know, brain waves and, 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 and talking about brain systems and talking about that some of the conditions that we have are not moral but medical, that they're not character, but chemical. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, what a world they opened up. Yep. So thank you, thank you, thank you, Well, you Mr. don't thank Chip. me. Because <laughs> I, I, when I read the book, I was just, you know. Uh, uh, this is your brain, brain on lo uh, love, and this is your brain on joy. Yeah, it just blew me away. I yes, like, I've interviewed wow. him on my radio show many times. Oh, well, there you go. It was just, I, it blew me away. I was like, we got to have this guy here. Got to. And you know, that's how you build peace. You build peace realizing that people don't have the same brain that you know, people supposedly had in the Garden of Eden. Mm -hmm. That we all have these environmental, emotional, you know, telomeres that are frayed because of the abuse we might have seen or experienced. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, brain trauma that might have changed a person's personality. I talk a lot to high school students. The Resilient Student Program has now hit over 3,000 students around the United States. Wow. And you know, we talk a lot about uh, judgment. You know, can we really? put ourselves in someone else's shoes unless we're walking around with their brain. Mm -hmm. And so we talk a lot about how by understanding brain systems that we can establish a little bit more of a common ground and stop judging and maybe create a little bit more of an empathic communication and a listening mode 
And once we listen, we can become peer mediators. And the goal here is for these young people, one, to develop peace within themselves, learn how to laugh at themselves because, oh my gosh, they're already getting so old already at 12 and 13 and 14. They get a, a, kids nowadays get exposed to a whole lot more than I got exposed to. And the, their whole environment is so much different. And brain scans are showing that they have the brain of 50 and 60 year old people, you know, with, with all the stresses that they're under, the chronic stresses and the abuse through drugs and alcohol and, uh, and just it's about like enough the energy so drinks. The, the social things with, you know, going through active shooter drills. Oh my school. gosh, yes. I mean, I couldn't even imagine going through that. I mean, right. we, I just would worry about some kid beating me up after school at the playground, you know. I, I wouldn't worry about somebody That's coming right. in and That's shooting right. the place up. Well, I live in, in two, you know, two communities, the Memphis community with the highest poverty rate in the United States, and then in a very rural community where, you know, they're just totally different mindsets. Mm -hmm. And yet, nonetheless, um, you know, you have a high uh, incident of uh, uh, children having children, unwed mm -hmm. parents. And so in these two demographics, you have the potential for conflict, marginalization, poverty, and violence. And what does that bring? That brings enormous stress to a community. Right. And it brings up the stress of individuals where they crack. Now I'm not talking about gun control. I'm not talking about any of those politically charged things. I am talking about just breaking the peace because you feel so broken and far away. But like I said, I was not meant, I wanted to be a doctor. As a matter of fact, the day that I left law school, I went straight to UT Martin and said I'd made a mistake, you know, how to get into medical school. Mm -hmm. But that was just cognitive dissonance. What I've come to understand, and this is found in Tanzania, there's a, there's a word out there, it's called kifundisisa, kifundisisa, and it means overthinking. Mm -hmm. And so we, who aren't medical professionals can at least address this idea of kufundi sisa. And in Tanzania, there are only 12 psychiatrists to a whole country, but they've created a thing called friendship benches, and they've trained grandmothers to help people with practical solutions. So really? I am now a, a, a person who doesn't talk about brain health, positive psychology, and mindfulness with a sense of, oh my gosh, I'm not a medical professional. I'm not allowed to talk about this. I can now say that I am a grandmother sitting on a friendship bench, mm -hmm. and I am spreading the word that laughter can bring peace. That is awesome. Well, I really appreciate the work you're doing out there. It's, you know, it takes all of us to make the world a better place, and I, it's, I, it makes me feel really good you're out there, you know, doing, doing the work. That's right. That's people, right. I learned a lot of people do a lot of talking about stuff, but not a lot of people do a lot of doing, and you're doing a lot of doing. Well, and, and you know, there are courage keepers all over the world, and they are keeping up the faith. They are being brave enough to do what's right, and those courage keepers are the people that I'm going to honor in, my rec in an app that's going to come out in two weeks. We're going to be doing the beta testing for the app. Mm -hmm. It's a journaling app, and we're going to honor all those people who maybe aren't doing the big giant things of the world, but are silently and quietly expressing courage on their daily mm -hmm. in their daily ways and making the world a better place. That, that is way. awesome. That is awesome. Now, after today, people want to find you and they want to follow up uh, on your website uh, with the app and where do they go to where do they connect with you. Um, you can reach me at Deborah at DebraNorwood.com or if you want to, you can also do dnorwood1 at yahoo.com. 
it's so full. I might miss you on that one. Right. I've got I've got a I've got a gar- <laughs> I've got a garbage email too. They make, oh like, my gosh. One of those things where they, they need you an email to sign you up for. I'm like I have one my my go to where all yeah. it's all the crap goes. But, I know, yeah. and it's kind of scary when they do that. But I I don't mind because it'll be on my phone. And then the other way in which you can reach me, I'm really I'm really a social media person. Mm-hmm. So if you want to join me at Twitter at Laughter Lawyer U or on Facebook at Laughter Lawyer USA or on LinkedIn at Deborah Norwood, Laughter mm-hmm. Lawyer USA. Uh, you know, I, I probably will answer you quicker than in an email that's overloaded with like 9,000 emails. Uh, yeah, I, well, I might be exaggerating, but maybe uh, not. Uh, well, I really appreciate <laughs> you spending a little time with me today. Now, I do have to ask this, all right? Since you're a lawyer, you know, we like to laugh at ourselves. Do you have a favorite lawyer joke? <laughs> I am spending my life trying to work on eliminating toxic lawyer jokes. Oh. So <laughs> I don't have a favorite lawyer joke oh. because I'm trying to stop jokes about lawyers and trying to promote <laughs> oh, I'm glad I didn't love tell mine and then. laughter. Oh, please do. Please do. Because, you know, it, right. we can laugh at ourselves. My cousin, my cousin's a lawyer, so I... I Oh, he's, see? he's got a good sense of humor, so awesome. We do a, too. We're Most a of family us do. thing, so I was like, "Hey, you know why lawyers don't go out on the beach?" And he was like, "No, why? Because <laughs> the cats keep trying to cover them up with sand." Oh, oh no, 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 no! I know it's horrible, <laughs> but you know it was between family. Oh, thank and, you, um, thank you so much for interviewing me. And do have a love your lawyer day. Do remember that we're human. Do remember that we work so hard to. Try to be uh, peace builders in yeah. our own way. And we are so stressed because there are so many rules and regulations uh, that, that you know, we need, we need you to see us as, as humans as well. So if you ever see a lawyer, tell them that you know a laughter lawyer who has encouraged you to love them just a little bit more. Hug a lawyer day. Coming, <laughs> soon, coming soon to a neighborhood near you. Thank you. Thank Thanks, you. Deborah. I appreciate oh, your time. I love this. Thank you. This is Laughbox, <laughs> the podcast for laughter and humor professionals. Laughbox is made possible by a grant from the National Speakers Foundation and is brought to you by AATH, the Association for Applied and Therapeutic Humor. Find out more at AATH.org. Be sure to review Laughbox on iTunes. For show notes and more information about today's conversation, visit laughbox.aath.org.